0: Jcastnetwork.org.
1: Hello and welcome again to Daily Dose of Jeremy Kalmanovsky here, and today we're learning Parshas Sakim, page Nun or fifty-two. We've uh, been mentioning the last last day and the day before that that the theme of our Gemara has to do with the power of local custom, and much of our page today is taken up with a fairly uh, arcane, from the perspective of contemporary Judaism, especially in the diaspora. Uh, not super relevant theme of Shemitah produce, the sabbatical year produce, uh, because that is a place where locale matters. The, the Bible records that in the seventh year you are not allowed to cultivate uh, produce, and you are only allowed, in fact, to leave it in the fields and eat it. Um, however, as long as the produce is in the fields, you can carry some into your house. so You can have in your own storehouse as long as there's, let's say, as long as there's, you know, uh, apples on the trees in uh, in the field, you can have a big storehouse of apples in your own house, but when the apples have gone from the trees, then you have to get rid of all of the apples in your own house and put them out in the street for anybody to take, or conceivably, actually, destroy the food, but I think the prevailing view is that you have to declare them ownerless and let anybody else take them, and that is called a bo and the relevance for locale... Uh, the local custom and local practice has to do with the zone, the regions of the country. Uh, all all this applies only to Eretz Yisrael, not to the diaspora. The regions of the, the regions of the country where we determine that the produce is or is not in the in the uh, in the fields. Our page will tell us that Eretz Yisrael is divided for this purpose into three major sections: Yehuda, Jerusalem in the south, Ever HaYarden, which is sort of the middle, or what we would call uh, the Shomron, you know, in the occupied territories in the north of Jerusalem, and in Galilee uh, is the third region, and each of those regions has three sub-regions. And there's, you know, a number of laws about Shemitah, such as what you do if you've made a, uh, a melange of pickled, pickled fruit, you have to get, if, if there's no more cauliflower in the field, you have to get rid of all the cauliflower in your, in your pickles, or, or, or whatever. Uh, perhaps not super-duper relevant for those of us listening to this in the diaspora, but the thing that is relevant, relevant to practice for many of us, has to do with something else that varies by locale, and that is the practice of second-day Yom Tov. As probably all listeners to this podcast know, uh, the Torah records that Passover is a seven-day holiday with a festival day on the beginning and the end, and Sukkot is a Seventh-day holiday with one day in the beginning, followed by a one-day festival, Shemini Yatzer, in the end, Shavuot, this is a one-day holiday, Rosh Hashanah won, Yom Kippur remains one, um, but that because there was always doubt about just when the new month was to be proclaimed, you know, in biblical times they hadn't quite got the calendar figured out, they didn't do it by algorithm, somebody saw the new month, and in the temple in Jerusalem they proclaimed the new month, and then they sent out messengers uh, throughout the land, at a certain point, they had a sig- system of signal fires. Um, beautiful Mishnah in, in Tractate Rosh Hashanah says when they would set the signal fires, the entire Jewish diaspora from, from Israel to Iraq was lit up before them like a torch. It was a quite lovely image. Um, uh, they would send out the signal messengers to let them know when the new month came, but they were never exactly sure when when the, holiday, when the day what the date was. And so they would observe two days. You know, Sukkot now had two days up at the front, and and it became not an eight- but a nine-day festival. Passover became an eight-day festival. Shavuot, a two-day festival, and the like. And to this day, those of us in the diaspora, that is the prevailing practice. Um, The problem, of course, is that nowadays we have very precise knowledge of where the new month is. And honestly, uh, traditional though it is, doesn't make a ton of sense that we have today, Yomtos. Anyway, let's explain how this is relevant to our Gemara. I'm going to read the final line, the final lines uh, of the page from yesterday and lead it into the top of our page. Uh, the story is mentioned here now. Rav Safra says to Rabbi Abba, uh Kigon Anan Diadinan Well, how about those of us who know exactly when the New month is. And the commentators on this page say not have a good knowledge of the algorithm of the moon cycles, but who will live in the live outside of the land of Israel, but so close, physically close, that the messengers do reach us in time, the physical messengers, not the not the signifiers, but the actual runners. We who know exactly when the new month is, the Yeshuv Lo Abdina. Uh Midneshinui Okay, when we're in town, when we happen to go to another diaspora of town, of course, he says, we're not going to, we're not going to do any, any uh, work. Even though in our own town, let's call it, you know, town X, we know exactly when the month is and we observe one day of Yom Tov. But if we went to our, you know, town down the block here in, in Syria, uh, we wouldn't, you know, violate the second day of Yom Tov because that would cause public dissension. <inaudible> What about if we are just, you know, off traveling in the desert? We find ourselves all alone. We're not with our fellow Jews. And it won't cause any maklochit. Do we have to, do we have to, uh, observe the second day on then? And the answer comes said, in, in the, uh, when you're in a town, you really ought not. And when you are in the, uh, the, uh, Midbar, when you're not in human community, you absolutely don't have to observe the second day Yom to. The passage continues that there was a fellow who fit Rav Safra's description, Rav Natan Bar Asya, and he lived in a place where they observed one day, and he goes from uh, from his schoolhouse, Lufom to one of the capital cities of, of Iraq, Biyom Tov Shani and he does it on the second day of Shavuot. Uh, Shante Rabiose and Rabiose puts him into excommunication and the Talmud now goes on to to tell two versions of that story. Either he put him into excommunication uh, because that was the more severe penalty, uh, uh, even though he only he could have simply flogged him. But he gave him the more severe penalty, uh, or vice versa, he could have actually flogged him, but he cut him the less severe penalty of merely. Uh, of merely uh, excommunicating him for a temporary temporary period, which was which was the style in rabbinic uh, in rabbinic times. Okay, so what does this have to do to do with all of us today? Uh, Yom Tov Sheni Shavuot, the second day Yom Tov of the diaspora period, is still to this day the normative Jewish practice, and the uh, and the the view of certainly most orthodox authorities and many traditionalist liberal authorities that you have to fulfill the, the traditions, both of, the, of the, you know, the place where you are. And even if you were to go to Israel, you'll, you'll find some people who live two days of Yom Tov while they're in Israel, although as a practice that is, that is becoming less and less attested. Uh, but I do think, even though I myself have no desire to, uh, to eliminate the second day Yom Tov, I practice it and, and I wouldn't, wouldn't want to change it, because uh, it is Jewish normativity, I do have to say that logic is a little weak because Rav Safa does live in a town so physically close to Eretz Yisrael that he can know with certain when the Land of Israel people have proclaimed the new month. I gotta say that in the age of telecommunications uh, we know the same thing. We no longer have the ceremonial Kibush HaKodesh. We no longer have the ceremonial proclamation of the new month. But arguably it is true and that in an era when we're all Yadina and Bakvia di We all certainly know exactly when the New Hebrew month begins, uh, that this second day of Yom Tov is not so logical. Of course, many of the most beautiful things in life are not entirely logical. Anyway, that's, uh, that's a short study of some custom, local custom-related matters from chapter 17, Pei Nundali.
0: Speak to you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is "Ufros" from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.